0: What's up, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs. Today is Thursday, November 18th, 2021. And on today's episode, a little crossover Thursday with Locked on Jets. In addition, some reactions to the news that the Miami Dolphins will be facing a familiar face at quarterback on Sunday. Joe Flacco named the starter. What does that mean? I'm glad you asked. Let's get it. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at the draftnetwork.com, and here on today's show, kind of miffed, kind of baffled to be completely honest that the New York jets have made the decision to start Joe Flacco in this week, 11 contest against the Miami dolphins. And the justification, according to Robert Sala, the jets head coach is that they wanted to uh, put the quarterback out there who had experience getting the ball out quick versus a blitz heavy defense. Well, that may be true. That may be something. And you saw Mike White, the other, other quarterback, versus Zach Wilson being the original option who came into the year as the unquestioned starter in New York uh, with no experience. They, they came into the year without a single quarterback on the roster that had a pass attempt in a real regular season NFL game. Zach Wilson gets hurt. They trade for Joe Flacco immediately, despite the fact that Joe Flacco has never played for Robert Sala. He had familiarity with Joe Douglas, the GM of the team, and then Mike White gets the start. And let's thing you know, Mike White looks pretty good in three three starts. Struggles against Buffalo, so chin up for Miami quarterbacks, I suppose. But Joe Flacco, I mean this this guy. You'd be you you would probably catch more than half of NFL fans by surprise if you told them that Joe Flacco was still in the league. Never mind, going to be a starting quarterback that's available for your fantasy squad on uh, Sunday against the Dolphins. Miami got a taste of Joe Flacco not that long ago. The Dolphins played Joe Flacco uh, in the late game last year, the, the showcase game against. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the 24 to nothing win that two a missed with the, the finger or the thumb injury on his throwing hand was a Joe Flacco game. And I got to tell you, if that is the guy at this point in time that the Jets feel like give them the best chance to win, we as Dolphins fans should feel reasonably excited about our chance to win. On Sunday against the Jets. And if I'm Miami, I'm probably daring them on any early down situations to run the football. Christian Wilkins did not practice yesterday. We'll see what the rest of the week brings for his availability. But you still have Raquan Davis and Zach Sealer and Emmanuel Agua. You still got enough talent up front on the defensive line, even if Christian Wilkins cannot play, that your expectation should be hey, the Jets can't really run the ball with consistency against anybody. Let's dare them to do that. And if they can't, and now you're in second and third and long, I'd do the same the same stuff that you did that worked against Lamar Jackson. I'd be doing against Joe Flacco. Go ahead, Joe. Hit bucket shots downfield time and time again. With a catch, rock, and shoot. At least Lamar can move and make the first guy miss. I'm not sitting here telling you or guaranteeing a win. But if you're a Dolphins fan, the news that Joe Flacco is the guy who they are deeming is going to be the best bet, the best option, is helpful in this bid to get to four and seven and climb another game closer to 500 in the midst of a wild, wacky. Strange, unpredictable, and bumpy 2021 season. That news came through. I did. I almost did an emergency podcast. It's good news for Miami, and, and there's a whole masterclass that that can be involved here on um, the Jets trying to quote unquote protect their quarterback, just like Brian Flores has trying to been has been trying to quote unquote protect Tua Tagovailoa. If you've watched Zach Wilson play this year, I think you know, if you haven't, I'll let me fill in the blanks for you. Uh, everything he does, his process is worse than his results. A lot of time holding the ball, trying to create big plays down the field. He's exposing himself to massive hits, refuses to take easy completions. Now Mike White comes in and all of a sudden his offense scores 30 points in consecutive games. Why? Because you've got somebody out there who's at least willing to just throw underneath and keep things on schedule. Zach's not doing that. And and I think the Jets are smart and the Dolphins should use this as a compliment. Zach Wilson would get creamed, crushed, steamrolled by a blitz unit like this if they brought what they brought against Baltimore. What that means for the rest of the game? Well, that's why we've got our good friend John Butchko of Lock on Jets on call. But before we get there, anybody who drives a lot, you need to know about GetUpside. Listeners are making up to $0.25 cents for every gallon of gas. Every time they fill up, just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN and you can get a bonus $0.25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to $0.50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price to the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free and use promo code Touchdown to get up to fifty cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. People who drive a lot are making as much as two to three hundred dollars a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or any gift cards such as Amazon or other brands. Just download the free Get Upside app and use promo code Touchdown. It is Thursday here on the Locked On Network, and you know what that means. It's time for a little Crossover Thursday action. I am Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins, joined by John Buchko of Locked On Jets. little AFC East rivalry action here on a Crossover Thursday. First and foremost, John, I'm sure this is not where either one of us hoped we would see our team's entering into week 11 of the 2021 season, but yet here we are. How are you doing? How are you holding up? These rebuilds, we're getting tired of them, but we can at least look to Buffalo and see some inspiration that, hey, these things might not be perpetual every three years. There might be some light at the end of the tunnel eventually if you get some stuff right.
1: Life is good for me right now. I'm very happy about a lot of the things. The Jets are not among them. It's been <laughs> ugly. You know, as you said, we did not hope we'd be here, but was I expecting to be here? To some extent, maybe I wasn't expecting it to be quite this bad, but I was kind of bracing for a rough year for the Jets.
0: So I guess the first thing when we we look at this iteration of the New York Jets and the first thing that comes to my mind is obviously a a situation which Dolphins fans can sympathize with. And that's a young quarterback who's hit some adversity. And and, the second overall pick in this year's draft, uh, Zach Wilson, uh, he gets injured. He takes a backseat to Mike White. The team trades for Joe Flacco. White plays reasonably well. He struggles last week against Buffalo. Zach looks like he's on track to play. And then on Wednesday, they come out and they announce that Joe Flacco is going to actually end up starting this week against the Dolphins. How caught off guard were you by this announcement when it came through on Wednesday? I was very surprised on a couple of different levels. First of all, it seemed
1: like Zach Wilson was on track to play this week. I actually kind of felt like last week, The way the Jets were talking, they made it seem like Zach Wilson was going to be ready to play that game, but they kind of made you think that they were using the injury as an excuse to give Mike White another start, which I thought was kind of smart because White had played really well two weeks earlier against Cincinnati, and then he had played well for one quarter against the Colts before he left the game with an injury. So the Jets were going up against Buffalo, which obviously has a great defense. It would have been a tough situation to throw Zach Wilson into. And then if Zach Wilson struggles against Buffalo, then you hear all these calls. Oh, well, Wilson's not the best quarterback. Why isn't White playing? So I thought it was smart to give White another start. You know, see what he could do. If he produced, then you could have left him in the lineup. But it kind of gave the Jets a natural pathway to put Wilson back into the lineup. So it was surprising. It seemed like Wilson was going to be ready to go this week. The other surprise is that they went to Flacco. White had a miserable game against Buffalo. He threw for four interceptions, but I kind of figured they'd stick with him just because of how well he had played the two previous weeks. Now, I think this kind of shows you that they believe that the Mike white we saw against Buffalo is more representative of the player. He truly is compared with the player we saw against Cincinnati. And then for a quarter against Indianapolis. And we probably should have known that because their reaction to Wilson getting injured was to trade for Flacco. I think that alone showed you how much mm-hmm. faith they, or how little faith they had in Mike White. But I think in the fan base, this is not a very popular move because this is a team going nowhere, and you're throwing a veteran quarterback in there, not just a veteran quarterback. And, you know, Kyle, I don't care where you fell on the great is Joe Flacco elite debate of 2013. There's not much question that Joe Flacco is not elite right now
0: and I think one of the interesting things, and I'd love to hear your perspective, if you have any, is this acquisition of Joe Flacco is on a pretty short timetable, and obviously he spent some time with the team last year. He took a start against the Dolphins in 2020, and and that was a a Dolphins victory in that showcase, which I believe was the first time Joe Flacco had ever lost to the Dolphins. But what's interesting about this decision for me is – this is a whole new offense. So it's not even like you have the stability of the same offensive structure. So has, has Joe been in house in your opinion, long enough to keep everything on the table, as far as the the menu of plays that this offense has, because, you know, you, you look at the production that they had the two weeks prior to the Buffalo game against, uh, uh, Cincinnati and and against Indianapolis and there were over a thousand yards of offense and they scored 30 over 30 points in each one of those football games. So is Joe Flacco going to have the full offense at his disposal in your anticipation or is this going to kind of be a little bit more of a limited menu because this is a new system for him. That's a great point
1: and I think that's one of the reasons it was kind of a surprise that the Jets traded for him. It would have been different, and I don't even want to fathom the idea that Adam Gase is still the coach of the Jets, but it would have been different if the Jets were running the system that he ran a year ago. Mm -hmm. Now, that said, Flacco's been in the NFL quite a while, and he's played in similar systems. Jets offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur is off the Kyle Shanahan tree, and Gary Kubiak was Flacco's offensive coordinator with the Ravens in 2014. When he was with Denver a couple of years ago, the offensive coordinator was somebody else who was off the Shanahan tree. All I can tell you is what Flacco has said, and Flacco has indicated that he's very comfortable with the Jets' offense, that he's familiar with all the concepts that they run. This is a guy who's been in the NFL a very long time. He's been exposed to a lot of different systems. So I do anticipate that the full playbook is going to be at his disposal. Now,
0: how well he can execute that is a different question. So if you look at the rest of this Jets offense, I'd love to hear from your perspective what a couple of the young players have done this season, uh, most particularly a trio of rookies, and that's offensive lineman Elijah Varick Tucker, uh, wide receiver uh, Elijah Moore, who uh, has come on quite a bit, it seems like, over the course of the past month or so for the Jets, and then running back Michael Carter, who was a mid-round pick for New York.
1: Absolutely. And I think there's
0: positivity to be had with all three
1: players. Now, Zach Wilson, who was the top pick has struggled quite a bit, but the next three picks were all on the offensive side of the ball. And if you go back to the spring, I made the point locked on jets that if you really break offense down to its most basic elements, you have, you know, your quarterback, you have guys who run the ball, you have guys who catch the ball and you have guys who block and the jets with their top four picks in this draft took one of each. They got Wilson, the quarterback. Their second first round pick was Elijah Vera Tucker. I think he's been pretty good. Now, he had a rough game against Buffalo. I think at this point, his run blocking is a little bit more advanced than his pass blocking. But I've been satisfied with the transition. He looks like he's going to be a keeper at the left guard spot. Elijah Moore, you mentioned it, he's come along over the last few weeks. It was a bit of a slow start for him which is funny because if you go back to training camp every single day, you heard about how Elijah War was the star, how he was on pace to step in and immediately make an impact. Well, he suffered an injury around the midway point of training camp and missed the entire preseason. He also missed a game because of a concussion this year. I wonder how far that put him behind. I think the connection between him and Wilson also wasn't quite there in the early going. It was kind of a work in progress. Over the last couple of weeks, he started to make an impact. The Jets have started to get him the ball more We haven't quite seen the explosive playmaking we were expecting, but I think it's a matter of time before we get there. Even though he's a small guy, I think he can play on the outside. He gets off the line just fine. He's able to run effective routes. So I think I think we're still waiting for him to make start making some splash plays. But he's become more and more consistent as the season's gone on, and. Michael Carter has been really solid. He's been solid out of the backfield as a receiver and he's run the ball effectively. Now the jets have not run blocked all that great for him, but if you look at some of the advanced numbers, if you look at missed tackles forced, if you look at yards after contact, he's right there. He's, he's near the top of the league in in those categories. So I think you look at these three guys there's a lot to be excited about as much as This season's been frustrating for the Jets. The silver lining is that you've had some rookies come in and contribute right off
0: the bat. And as you shift eyes to the defensive side of the ball, you know, this this is now a division that has four defensive-minded coaches, head coaches that are running each one of these teams with the addition of Robert Sala uh, this offseason as the head man with the Jets. How has the assimilation of talent, uh, which is obviously young and and still a work-in-progress for New York, been with Saleh's system? Uh, how well have they taken? And obviously, you just look, kind of look at the points that have been conceded over the course of the past month. And it's pretty eye opening to see uh, just how porous New York has been. So, what's the root cause of that, in your opinion? Is it a talent issue? Is it uh, the lack of fl- flexibility from the coaching staff to talent or tailor? the scheme to the talent that does exist on the roster kind of obviously Carl Lawson being injured is a, was a massive loss for this team at the beginning of the season. So what in your mind has been the biggest roadblock to the success that Selah had in San Francisco transitioning early on here with New York?
1: The biggest roadblock I think is just a general lack of talent. This is a team with issues at linebacker with issues in the secondary, but it's not only that, that might be the biggest issue, but you can't get to a point where the Jets are without just having problems across the board. There is still talent on this defensive line without Carl Lawson. It's underperforming. Quinn and Williams is not really having the year you were hoping for. Now, if you look at his sack numbers, it looks like he's on pace to have a pretty prolific year when it comes to sacks, but he's been very inconsistent. There have been some very good games, but there have been some games where he's been pushed around. Uh, John Franklin Myers, a guy who had performed very well for the Jets last year and the early stages of this season, the Jets gave him a contract extension. You haven't really heard much from him since Sheldon Rankin. who they brought in from the saints has been a little quieter than you'd hope for the defensive lines, not performing. And that's what this defense is supposed to be built around. I'm not really sure what the issues are at corner. You've got a lot of young players. Bryce Hall's played pretty well, second-year guy out of Virginia, and so has mm-hmm. Michael Carter the second in the slot. Jets drafted two players named Michael Carter this year. The other spot's been an issue. You've had Brandon Echols, who struggled. He's a rookie out of Kentucky. Javelin Guidry replaced him last week. Echols went on injured reserve. He suffered an injury in the game against Buffalo. Guidry really struggled. The safety spot's been a problem because both of their starting safeties, LaMarcus Joyner and Marcus may have suffered season-ending injuries, but... It, the thing that really troubles me is that this defense has gotten worse as the season has progressed. It seems like they had a better mastery of the system in the early going. Salah has commented many times about how he likes to run a system that's fairly simple because he wants his guys to understand where they need to be. He wants his guys to get experience against pretty much anything they can see and know exactly, be able to play fast. And I can't tell you how many times over the last couple of weeks Jets have had guys in the wrong spots in key moments, and it's not because the system's overly complex. So you kind of have issues across the board. I kind of have a struggle articulating what's
0: wrong with the defense because mm-hmm. right now everything's wrong, and the Jets are moving in the wrong direction. My my last question for you pertains, again, to the defensive side of the ball, and it, it's this off Dolphins offense at times this season has been like, pulling teeth to try to consistently move the football to try to score points. My question for you is aside of Quinn and Williams, if there's one jets defensive player who could potentially continue that trend for Miami of struggling to consistently move the football, who is the next X factor beyond Quinn and Williams, who obviously is a top draft choice, former high first round selection um, has the bright flashes that you see intermittently from time to time, who's the next biggest threat that Miami should be weary of with their offensive game plan.
1: CJ Mosley. Mosley of course was a perennial pro bowler in Baltimore. He really did not play his first two seasons with the jets. Mm -hmm. year one in 2019, he suffered an injury week one and he only played one other game that year. Last year he opted out because of COVID jets, of course had a coaching change and Mosley was kind of asked to change his game. He lost weight in the offseason. They wanted him to be more of a sideline-to-sideline linebacker. In the early part of the season, he was playing very effectively. He was constantly in on plays. Last couple of weeks, another guy who's really kind of regressed as the season's gone on. You see him frequently filling the wrong gaps. There are times where a couple of plays last week where he was kind of slow to read a play and wasn't able to make a tackle that maybe he could have had. But if he gets back to being that guy he was in the early stages of the season, I mean, he was a guy who kind of helped this Jets defense overachieve the first couple of weeks of the season. And part of that was his mental game. He's a guy who knows where to get guys lined up. You know, there's a lot of, there are a lot of intangibles he brings. So he hasn't been great the last couple of weeks. But if C.J. Mosley plays his best game, he could make an impact in this one.
0: Our friends at bet online are back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds and lines than ever before. Bet online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action. This fall head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today, receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code locked on from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. That online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, and it is where the game starts.
1: Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm John Butchko with Locked On Jets, along with Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins. We have an AFC East matchup this weekend between the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins. First of two times they'll play in the 2021 season. Kyle, I know this was a season where the Dolphins entered with big expectations. And to this point, I think you'd have to say things have been a little disappointing. However, they're coming off a big win last Thursday night over Baltimore. What went right
0: in that game for the Dolphins that has not been going right the rest of the season? Yeah, what what really jumped off about the defensive game plan for Miami against Baltimore was the aggressiveness and and assertiveness they used uh, to dictate the, the tone of the game. And you looked at this Dolphins team in the early portions of 2021, and they made some personnel changes and exchanged guys out for rookies with Kyle Van Noy, Swapped out for Jalen Phillips as a rookie and a player that the the Jets fans are now very familiar with in Shaq Lawson, who was another defensive edge defender uh, who uh, Jalen Phillips has helped fill that void as well. And Bobby McCain playing free safety swapped out for a second round rookie in Javon Holland. And over the course of the last month, Holland has not only taken over the starting role, but you've seen him featured in more and more and more ways. That feature him not just in a high post free safety role playing the middle of the field, but working down into the slot and playing man to man coverage against running back split out wide and being a sub package linebacker and being an end man on the line of scrimmage. And what they had a lot of success with uh, against Baltimore was they brought a lot of safety pressures. Javon Holland was blitzed 21 times against Baltimore. Brandon Jones, the other safety who was a second year player out of Texas, was blitzed 17 times. And they effectively won on first down by playing a base three, four front and bringing an extra body off the end uh, to help compensate for the speed of Lamar Jackson to the perimeter. And then they got into cover zero and they said our corners and DBs, we're going to play them at the sticks and we're going to catch all the quick game stuff that you're going to throw in front of our face. And we are going to be plus one in our rush packages Every single time until you beat us. And Baltimore simply did not have an answer for it. And it was really eye-opening to see how much trust they put in a defense that you could tell early on they were kind of playing with kid gloves because there were some young players and new pieces that are critical pieces uh, that the communication and the understanding of the assignments just where it wasn't needed to be for them to have the full menu of the defense at their disposal.
1: Now, Kyle, like the Jets, the Dolphins have a young quarterback and Tua Tagovailoa. It sounds like he's on track to play this weekend. Of course, Tua in his second season, Zach Wilson, Jets quarterbacks, in a rookie. What can you tell us about the season Tua is having so far?
0: Yeah, it, it's, um, it's a masterclass on how to not back your young quarterback with confidence when the Deshaun Watson rumors were persistent from uh, March all the way through the trade deadline. And, um, you know, at at several junctures this offseason, you know, Tua broke his ribs against Buffalo in week two. He spends three weeks on IR. He comes back. They play Jacksonville and Atlanta, and he plays reasonably well. And then he hits some more adversity and apparently breaks a a finger on his throwing hand, and he's healthy enough to practice. Uh, But the team opts to dress him on game day but let him serve as the backup to Jacoby Brissett. Because, quote unquote, he couldn't make all the throws. And if that was in a vacuum, you might not have thought anything of it. But this is the same quarterback situation that Brian Flores in several games late in the game last season went to the bullpen and tagged in Ryan Fitzpatrick to try to light the spark and and ignite the offense and ignite the team. And they went one and one in those two football games against the Broncos and the Raiders. So. It's kind of been some self-inflicted wounds between the Deshaun Watson rumors and and how Brian Flores has handled and not necessarily voiced with his actions a lot of confidence into a Tangovelo, and that kind of falls in line with Jeff Darlington, who is an excellent, excellent national NFL reporter now, but he he cut his teeth uh, in the Miami Dolphins beat. He went on the Ryan Rosilio podcast a couple of weeks ago before the trade deadline, amid all the rumors with Deshaun Watson, and talked about how this relationship with Brian Flores and Tua Tangavaloa was fine, but it was quote-unquote not where a lot of Dolphins fans hoped or thought it would be that Brian Flores is not ride or die with Tua Tangavaloa, which begs the question, why did you draft him number five overall, if that's how the head coach of your team is going to feel about him? But it's really been Tua trying to find ways to be successful and have success on the field and spur this team onward amid all of the skepticism about his ability to fulfill this franchise quarterback role that he was drafted to fill in Miami. And that has come with mixed results and, of course, some durability questions this season with two separate injuries now that have cost him playing time but he came in in the second half against Baltimore and he hit two of his best downfield throws in the second half of this game, despite their justification for not playing him being, well, he can't hit all the throws and he can't really push the ball the way that we would like to. So uh, Brian Flores put the kibosh on this pretty early this week. And it sounds like Tua Tagovailoa is going to be your starter against the Jets.
1: Now, can you talk a li- little bit about the
0: rookie class for the dolphins and how they're performing? Yeah. Yeah, they've been uh, excellent. I, I know everybody kind of raised their eyebrows with Miami trading from three to 12 and back to six. And they gained a 2023 first round pick in that process, but surrendered an extra 2022 first round pick to get Jalen Waddle. But he was their best non quarterback on the board uh, from a lot of the rumored and reported uh, understandings of what their draft board looked like. And Waddle was always going to be their guy based on his ability to create separation, his explosiveness. And, you know, I would love to see what a role for him would look like if he was playing in an offense that had better protection that would allow them to take some more shot plays and create some more explosive plays. Uh, Opposing defenses are going to play too high against Miami, and they're going to dare you to run the football because they can't do it with any level of consistency. And you're going to have a rally to the football drill in a lot of these instances and receptions for guys like Jalen Waddle. But his production and his volume that he's received in the passing game has been very, very strong. And he clearly has a chemistry with Tua. Jalen Phillips, uh, who was the second first-round pick that they have had, uh, is second in the NFL amongst rookie edge defenders with pressures. Uh, The past month of the season for him has been much improved versus the first month of the season. He's showing signs of understanding how to get those hands off of his frame. Uh, This is not a defensive system that just sends four guys and says, hey, you're an outside rusher, go in off the edge and and claim your wins against offensive tackles. There's a lot of schemed pressures and and twists and stunts and three-man games and uh, pressures that are designed to hit a certain gap with a certain player that might not always be Jalen Phillips. And uh, I think that's caused for a little bit of a transitional period for him. Uh, but he's flashing weekly and and he say what you will about the technical refinement of his game. He plays his butt off every single snap, but the best one has been Javon Holland, uh, who was their first second round draft choice and the impact that he has provided in the secondary. This is the role that they envisioned for Minka Fitzpatrick realized. uh, and, And he is, a player who is showing fully capable of doing everything over the course of the last three weeks. He's pro football focus is top-rated safety. He's getting pressures. He's getting ball production. Uh, He's playing middle of the field. They're walking him up as an end man on the line of scrimmage and at the snap asking him to bail and play the middle of the field in a cover one type look, and he's showing the range to get back and do it. So he's been a very, very impressive player and the most impressive rookie season we've seen from a Dolphins rookie in quite some time.
1: Well Kyle my last question you asked me for a key player on the Jets in our last segment I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you for a key player we haven't talked about yet if the Dolphins are going to win this game.
0: Yeah um, I I would give you two I'd say on the offensive side of the football the performance of Liam Eikenberg at left tackle uh, who is uh, another rookie who they had traded up for in the second round his performance is going to be critical he has kind of uh, deteriorated as as the season has gone on, and you could see he's really pressing and struggling with speed off the edge. Uh, so he's going to have to play a good game for Tua Tonga Valoa to keep himself upright and allow himself uh, to to move this offense and stay on schedule and avoid negative plays. So Eichenberg up front for Miami is a critical player. And then the other one I would call out is Emmanuel Agba, uh, who's in a contract year for the Dolphins. Uh, Brian Flores is off the Bill Belichick tree. So paying edge defenders is not really a popular idea, but Agba he's 10th in the league in pressures at this point in time, he's on pace to equal his career best in sacks and his presence on the edge. uh, He's winning his one-on-ones, but he's also getting his hands up. He's got a lot of length. He's disrupting a lot of throwing windows and batting a lot of passes down at the line of scrimmage. And this dolphins blitz scheme, they're getting him some free runs off the edge as well. And he's been a very, very disruptive player. So Agba, in the midst of another career year, it just so happens to coincide with the contract year, is a big name that you're going to have to negate if you want to slow down this Dolphins defense with how they played over the course of the past uh, three or four weeks, which is uh, an average of less than 19 points per game allowed. Well, Kyle, it was great chatting with you. We're heading
1: into Thanksgiving, and the next time we chat, It'll be before the Jets-Dolphins game on December 19th, so we'll kind of lead you into Christmas as well. I guess the Jets and the Dolphins this year are how you prepare for the
0: holidays. Right. Yeah. Uh, I hope you enjoy the game. Hope Jets fans enjoy the game. I hope everybody enjoyed this crossover Thursday, John. It's always great catching up with you, man, and, and talking a little bit of shop. We're looking forward to doing it again in a few weeks. Thanks for listening, everybody, to a Crossover Thursday edition here on the Locked On Network, your team every day. We don't just say it. We live it. Keep it locked in on the Locked On Network. Thanks for listening.